we're seeing condos go up like crazy here in Windsor. We've never seen this before, right? And and that's a topic to touch on right there is 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 condos and um, just getting outside of the box in your mind of what it is to own a home and and to to become a first time home owner is the condo market really needs to be where a lot of young buyers are putting their focus now so like you say there's condos going up in windsor that we've never seen before i think that needs to happen a lot more but i mean the the cheapest condo now is around 400 grand right so first time <laughs> yeah. home buyers are having a really tough time i know um some strategies we're using when i talk to people and i say okay well you can afford you know a 280 mortgage in the past that was awesome right everybody was happy you yeah. got a nice raised ranch for yep. that yep now you can't even get a condo we're for looking that. at mobile homes mobile homes for that right? price exactly yeah. on lease land the lease land brings down your affordability right because right? like you got bucks that, a month that lease so now you can afford now, now every city has its different set of first-time homebuyers our first-time homebuyers now are going to fall in the 350 to six hundred thousand dollar range that seems to probably, be probably yeah. the range now what happens with guelph and waterloo with now an average sale price of 1.2 million um does that is there are there first home time home buyers just that set of of buyers now is it just as we grow we lose a set of first-time homebuyers and gain the new set of first-time homebuyers and is this become a three-step process instead of going from your starter home to your forever homes it's starter home to second home to third home and almost have to work your way up to to climb that ladder well i, I think anybody who's a first-time homebuyer most of them have to have a co-signer now because they just can't do it mm -hmm. or you know they need to get creative get creative by you know buy a house with your brother or your sister you've been living together for x amount of years so buy it together stay in that house for one to two years build up that equity it becomes your down payment on the next one so as much as the housing market's going up crazy the mortgage amounts aren't going up as crazy and the reason for that is all that equity that they get when they sell their house they just move it to the new property right. they're not losing that money so there they're upgrading sure. for almost the same mortgage Right. Or if, just slightly higher yeah. than what they're, uh, they're right. doing now. If, if these other cities in Ontario, any indication of the way things are trending for the Windsor market, um, I think that the answer is you just got to get in. You got to get in one way, shape or form to build that equity so that you don't become a renter forever. Right. Yeah. There's there's a small window for certain buyers that have certain incomes where if they can't get themselves into the market soon, they may never be able to get in the market if they don't have a support system. Well, this is to back a tough thing up. for a lot of people to overcome mentally, though, too, because what I've seen the trend is every year the new year comes along and there's a, a set of articles that come out, inflammatory articles that come out that say, you know, in one way or another, you know, a drop is coming, you know, and and that puts people on a path of of okay, I'm going to wait, right, and then we sit down and we talk with them and, and you do the same thing because we're all working with the same people at different steps in their journey. And we say, hold on, you know, let's look at the historical data. Let's see what's been happening here. There's nothing indicating that that's going to happen, but we're working against, you know, media. the media and yeah. social media and, and this, this melting pot of information that people are getting thrown at them, uh, you know, at every turn. And, and it, it, it makes our job more difficult in the sense that we just like we're not I'm not here to just try to like push you into a house you don't want. I'm here to try to get you on the best path that you can be on to set yourself up for life and to set your family up and to raise a family in a home. And, you know, 
I'm not trying to get you into a house, you know, in a couple months because I because I really want to make that money. I'm trying to get you in a house in the next couple months because I know six months or a year down the road, you aren't going to be able to afford that house anymore, right? So that's the uphill battle I feel like uh, we're we're I mean, on right it's now. A, simple math equation people are waiting for that big drop well 2008 2009 where it dropped 11 percent right well Last that only that only brings you back to December yeah. percent yeah we've been if up the we've market gone up 11 percent since December if the market drops 11 percent you're sitting around Christmas time this year and you you never should time the market you never should try to time the market if you buy a home and the market unfortunately decides to drop just don't sell don't panic. Don't sell. If you lose your job, move back in with mom and dad and rent it out until it recovers. We've talked about that over and over again. Yeah. At least when you own a home, you can manipulate the market in your favor. So well, what, you're moving with it. Right. right. If I go and invest in a company and the company goes out of business, I lose my money. But if I invest in real estate and the market drops, I have options. I'm in control of my property. It's real property. I can go move back in with mom and dad. I can rent out the property. When the market recovers, then I sell. You you don't have to panic and sell. The only way you would lose is obviously if you had found a way to not make your payments. But there's people looking for rentals all the time. And if the market were to drop, people are going to be selling and looking for rentals. There's going to be more tenants out there looking. Um, the main thing is to get in the market. It's shown in the past historically that if the market does drop it's a very short amount of time to before you can recover that and in southwestern ontario i don't see any long-term drops happening anytime soon southwestern ontario is growing very fast with almost 1.2 to 1.5 million more people coming in and i just don't see us going in the backwards direction it's just not well like joe just said i mean we have an indicator in bigger cities like toronto and area where we kind of get the writing on the wall when something changes there we kind of know something might be coming here it's not just going to all of a sudden drop in Windsor out of the blue right we're still right. the most affordable you know mid-sized city in yeah. in southwestern Ontario so well, like well something big could happen like a pandemic like a pandemic <laughs> that we grew over 30% right. in just the last 12 right. months yeah one, one thing uh, first time home buyers have to realize is they gotta we we gotta all collectively manage their expectations you know they're all coming from mom and dad's big two-story house and they want to move into something similar but in this market that's seven eight hundred thousand to start if not more you know if not more yeah well they can't afford that being a first-time homebuyer so you you gotta you know be able to step back either going to a condo or going to renovation a little mortgage two bedroom house do a purchase plus improvements right. mortgage something where you got to get into the market and you can't wait there's something about i always say that hgtv mindset people are so fixed on like pinterest instagram hgtv how houses they they have this expectation of how houses should look and they for, people forget what a first home should be and your first home should be the cans of paint, rolling the walls, and cleaning it up. This is your first investment to grow. If you go to half these houses that are selling like crazy, all it is is white trims and gray walls and nicely staged. When you go buy a house that doesn't have those things, you get it for an extreme discount. You go and make those paint jobs and trims yourself. And it costs you a fraction of the price and you're the one that's going to grow that equity. You're the one that's going to make all that I money. I think unfortunately a lot of that comes along. You say HDTV mindset. Yeah. I say um, social media right. 
Um, keeping up with envy. the Joneses, yeah. It yeah. is keeping yeah. up with the Joneses. People seeing what other people are putting out there, and look what I bought. Look, look at, look at how much you know I've done to my house, and look how beautiful it is. And people want that. They don't want to take themselves. They, they don't, don't want to sh- do the work. Yeah, well, we're in a immediate gratification exactly. mindset, right? I need it yeah. now. I need it now. And then what do they do? They run up their credit cards. They run up their lines of credit. They get it now. Luckily, we're in a market of appreciating houses so they can refinance and right. kind of pay it Consolidate off. That all debt. of our clients that have made the most money are the ones that have bought the houses that need the most work. Now, when I say yeah. most work, I'm not talking knocking down walls, replacing furnaces and roofs. We're talking cosmetic. Right. Things that are dated 1950s, 60s, 70s styled homes that you have to flip, maybe a bathroom. And other than yeah. that, they're moving ready. They're usually well taken care of. They're just dated. They got wallpaper on the walls and people overlook it. The photos don't show as well. And um, these are the houses I think that people need to start looking at and mortgage plus improvements. I'd love for you to kind of explain that just because people don't know that's an option that they have where if they buy a house a little bit below their budget, um, they can invest a little bit more into the home and roll it into their mortgage and maybe pay back mom and dad who lent them the money or a line of credit. Yeah. So like the way a purchase plus improvements goes, it's, it's great for say first time home buyers or even second time home buyers, people who have, you know, less than say 20% down um, because they can put about 40 grand worth of work into that house as long as when the renovations are done it appraises out at that 40 grand higher they can do all that work which could be you know new flooring a new kitchen maybe so do they have to so, they have to pay that up front right they, they pay get receipts and then submit is that how it works or so we get... approve it up front so up front they're gonna go and they're gonna get quotes Okay. They can go to Home Depot, get a quote. They can do the work themselves, or they can get a contractor to do the work. Um, they do the work themselves. They got to finance it and yep. fund it. Yep. The lawyer holds the money in trust until the work is complete. Then they release it to them at the end. Gotcha. But if you're doing a say forty thousand dollar reno, your down payment has to increase by that forty, that 40 grand, grand or a percentage of that yeah. forty grand, right? So yeah, you know you got to know your down payment is going up as well with right. that, right? Um, now, if you use a contractor, sometimes they say, just give me a deposit and then pay me from the proceeds when it's done. So they don't actually have to have that 40 grand in cash or the bank of mom and dad or whoever else, right? They Good can to know. have the contractor hold it. He does the work and then we release the funds. He signs an affidavit saying all the work was done and everything's great. Yeah. yeah. So we have other options too, where people can get creative. The city of Windsor now allows, um, it's in a little bit for some time now, um, additional dwelling units. As long as you're a primary owner of the home and you're living in the home, you can rent out the basement, the upper floor, the back addition, or some sort of detached dwelling, whether you converted a garage or some sort of accessory building into a, you know an in-law suite. Um, the reason they're allowing this, even though you're not a true duplex, as long as you're the primary person occupying the other unit of this home, they will allow you to rent out these without being a true duplex. This is huge. This is what you see um, in Vancouver in the last 10 years. This is what you saw in Toronto where first-time homebuyers were moving in. And you see on those HGTV shows where they're completely gutting a basement and turning it into this little apartment so that they can help some sort of up, uh, you know. And offset the cost of exactly. their mortgage. Yeah. So these are, these are things that people need to take a look at. And if they keep playing the poor me, look at this market um, victim role, which I, I have sympathy. This is not fun for anybody, but we, we, it's, the, it's the reality of what we're facing. And if you don't get creative and do something now, you may end up becoming a tenant now for, for just good. looking at the pictures that you got on the screen, Joe, you know, 
the top two are cool the bottom left hand yep. one is good as well but the additional dwelling that's detached from the house very hard to refinance in the future and get value out of it most lenders won't give you value to an outbuilding which is what that is um, do you think that'll change I think it's going to change as that, as that is more we do, we do have a lender we're working with right now trying to go over you know creating a policy with, with that. that and because you know like Amherstburg allows the tiny homes yep um, additional dwellings in Windsor this is going to be the they're calling them garden forward. suites now in in Toronto mm-hmm. and area because I know it, that that's as long as it's attached you can get value sure. out of it as soon as you detach it now it's an outbuilding and right. you know whether it's a pool house or a, yeah, it's or tough a garage to with that, a suite eh? upstairs, you know, we can't use the rent unless it's claimed on a tax return. I mean, there's a lot of pitfalls on that. But okay. if the units already existed on the property and it something they were able to rent out and just to help offset the cost, it's still something that can help them, correct? It doesn't help them from a refinance standpoint. But only on a monthly payment standpoint. If they claim it on their taxes, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's tough i mean we were talking about this yesterday in our in our meeting we're we're all really hurting with our first time buyers right now and trying to figure out ways to help them and i think the hardest thing is we're constantly having to update the mindset because we're we're not seeing the market change on a quarterly basis we're seeing it change on a weekly basis right now so we're coming out of the holidays and we're like hey sorry the market's gone up again the houses that we're seeing are now worth this and we have to kind of change that mindset or else you're going to keep continue wanting to see houses that are out of your price range but then a week later we have to have that hard conversation again and again and again and it's really beating the morale of the clients down um, because there's nothing worse than finding out every week as hard as this market is it's only getting harder um, i hope i hope i hope and statistically um, and historically we've seen this i'll pull it up in a second that more houses do become available by a significant number in march and it does get a lot better and peaks around May or June. Um, so I really hope that we have a strong spring with inventory. Well, our, our broker, Frank, um, last year put a, an email out that talked about first-time home buyers and the struggles they're facing. And one of the things I remember he said in that email was that Windsor is kind of shedding its veil of affordability. Um, it's historically, for the people of Windsor especially, always kind of been an affordable place to live, right? People understood that they could go buy a house for it was the best kept secret exactly right (laughs) Right. and and now that that affordability is is being shed and we're joining the other major centers in in the country and it's happened very quickly and um that's a really tough thing for people to get their minds around so fast like it's it's so hard to explain to a client that in the last few months things have gone up 20% or 25%, right? That, that, that's really hard to grasp. It's hard for us to grasp that yeah. that's happening, right? So to, to, to have to explain that to them and, and sit them down and say, look, we're, we can't look at these houses anymore. It's a really tough yeah. um, well, subject to is, is, get across. Know, those people who want to wait, if it goes up 25%, your down payment has now gone up 25%. That's right. You can't save as fast as no, this No, you can't outsave the market, right? Nope. At this stage of the game, so that's another issue that yeah. they're having trouble with. Now, anybody selling a place, they're okay because they've got so much equity built up. Yeah. So, and again, that the ones that are in the market 
have a little bit easier time because they have a place to stay until they find the place they want. And if the market grows, so is the product that they're in. But this goes back to you got to you got to get in the market. The ones that are okay are the ones that are able to move with the market because they already own. And it just shows the importance of trying your best to find a way. And I understand it's easier said than done. Um, but there's a lot of people with still a very picky mindset. And I don't think we were in a market where you can be as picky as you used to. I mean, everyone thinks us agents love this market. They're like, oh, you guys are killing it. You must love this. And we've talked about this. Ten years ago, I used to show a first-time homebuyer 30 houses on a weekend. And they said, I want that one. And we would just go and negotiate it. Um, that was a lot easier for the client. That was a lot easier for me. And I... I like that market a lot more. Now you show them 10 houses, they write on one, they get their butts kicked, they go and do it again and they do it again and do it again and the morale goes down. There's nothing fun about that for anybody. Um, and this is this has been a struggle for not just first time home buyers, but for agents to help service their clients. And it gets harder as we accumulate more and more clientele. Um, we Everybody has a surplus right now. I'm yeah. sharing my screen really quickly. Okay. Um, this is the last 12 months of, uh, this is the 12 months of 2021, and this is new listings on market for each month. And you'll see, this is nothing new that we, that we haven't seen before. January and February, very, very low inventory, as well as December. Look at how much it had spiked just by March. And then it stays consistently that high until the summer. If I go back um, to 2020, you'll see a little bit different because in April we hit the pandemic, so you'll see it drop. But you can see it was low, starting to trend upward. Obviously, we hit a snag with getting in. Well, half of March was in there too. So, I mean, so we saw a delayed spring that year. The delayed spring went all the way to November. Yeah. Um, if you go back the year before the pandemic in 2019, this is what we saw. January, same February, thing. same thing. Inventory eventually does come. Go back 2018, same thing. And then 2017 will be the last one I show. Again, this isn't anything new. This is normal for this time of year. Yeah. This is what causes the growth though, because we're low inventory, which causes more competition, which then causes higher um, higher prices. We'll see that growth go in until more inventory hits the shelves. And I think that inventory, usually we see stabilizes somewhere around end of April. Yeah, it's a May. normal cycle. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, it's not beneficial to, to people out there trying to trying to find a home, but when you have low inventory like we have in January, February, the, the demand doesn't go anywhere. There's still that many people out there trying to buy a home. So they all start competing on these properties and you might end up with 20 or 30 offers on a property that causes it to sell for a super yeah. high sale price. And then guess what? That becomes a new comparable for that type of home in that area. And the more that happens, the more those prices go up because now in March, April, and May, we're going to look back at these sales that have happened in January, February, and say, that's what they're worth. So the funny thing about this graph is when you look at it and you look at it historically, if you were to invert it and flip it upside down, that's how interest rates go. As that's funny. you hit the June, July, August, you get the lowest rates of the year. Wow. Whereas as the, say, number of sales or listings go down, the interest rates go up. Now, yeah. Which is kind of what, cool. what we've seen in previous years, just because we have more houses hitting market historically, and I guess this is most likely going to happen next month, just because we're getting more listings doesn't mean the competition gets any better because we still have this surplus of buyers that we have to kind of help wean, wean out. Um, and so when that first big month hits in March, it's still very competitive because of the amount of buyers we have. And then April's slightly a little better, and it's not usually till May until you start seeing houses with only two or three offers and it finally gets to a stable 
a stable uh, spot and that usually will stay until about September and every September when you're everyone's getting finishing their vacations in August and September everyone's going back to school everyone's like oh the market's changing I think we're finally starting to see it turn nope that's just September um, and <laughs> you're probably going to look back at September the next year when you're in January stressing out again I should have bought back in September. Yeah. It's a normal cycle of things. Um, you'll see, and when you watch the graph, um, it goes down. The inventory is very low in September because people are focused on back to school, back to work. Um, and then there's a little bit of a hike in October before going into the holidays, and then it drops back down. So this is nothing that we haven't seen before. It's just at the highest scale of average sale price, and it is the lowest inventory we've ever seen, but I think that also has to do with people being um, hiding away from the pandemic, kids being at home from school, and obviously if the prices are going up and expected to be worth more next month, then people are going to hold off the extra month to sell their home. So I do expect a very busy spring with inventory um, and even a busy summer. I think we just have to be patient and hope that the prices don't get too out of hand between now and then. So in your opinion, as the real estate professionals, should they hold off to May, June, April? Or I mean, with the low inventory in February right now and, you know, what, well, you know, there's, well, offers, there's a couple interesting, offers. there's a couple Should interesting we... things to, to, it depends on what side of the transaction that you're on, because, you know, like I, you know, I just had a seller that I had this conversation with and said, and all, and all they had to do was sell and they weren't on the buying side. So I said, look, you know, you can wait till the spring if you want, but one of the things you're going to have to realize is there's going to be twice or three times as much competition for your house out there at that time the buyers are going to spread out over those houses. You might end up with less offers. Now, I, I can't guarantee you're going to get a higher or a lower price at that time, but I can tell you right now, if you put your house on the market, you're going to have a ton of people interested your, in your, your home. Your February, March listings are your trendsetters. Right. So your February, March listings are those competitive ones that set the standard of prices for the spring. So a lot of times the record setting listings are your February, March, and yes, the prices might be in higher in May or April, but that's only because your listings in February, March were the ones that set those standards for the higher prices. Um, and then going into for the buyers, um, yes, yes, it's going to, there's, there's a plus and a minus for both. You could buy right now. The minus is there's not a lot out there. The plus is the prices might be cheaper than what you're going to have to spend in two or three months. The plus in two or three months is you're going to have a lot more options. The minus is the prices might be just a little bit higher. So um, you pick your battle. If you can find the right house now and get in before the market maybe goes up another five to ten percent. Yeah, I always say. Ideal. I mean, the perfect time to to buy is is right now. Yeah, it's it's right now because prices are only going in one direction, right? And if you can find now, it just it just depends on whether or not you feel like you're settling or not as a buyer. If you feel like you're you're just buying something to try to save a little bit of money, but you're not getting what you want. You know that that could be the the thing that tips the scales one way or another for you. But from a first-time home buyer's perspective, one of the things, and this feeds off of what we were just talking about. I mean, your first home probably isn't going to be exactly what you want, and I don't think it should be anymore. I think I think your mindset has to change on that, and I think you have to start realizing that um, that first home can be a stepping, stepping stone, stone to something greater, and Put a little bit of work into it, increase the value of it, and grow with the market, and get in now so that you can you can join in on those gains. Because if you just wait another six months or a year, you're going to be you know another it's, twenty or thirty percent behind where you were right now. You have to treat it like an it's an investment more than a home. 
Right. For, it's a, it, it's a, every home's an investment, but your first home is strictly an investment more than a home. If you don't buy a house, where are you going? Are you living with mom and dad? Or are you living in an apartment? Is living with mom and dad or living in an apartment any better than the home that you may not have wanted? You might as well buy your home, which is your temporary apartment, let it grow in equity, cash out, and use that equity to make that step up in the next. It's a tough thing yeah. for people to wrap their minds around buying something that's not, you know, you're not going to go to a, you know, a car lot and, and, and pick the car that you don't want. Right, you're gonna you're gonna put your research in, and you're gonna go in there, and you're gonna pick the car that suits you and fits you best. But this isn't a car, you know. Cars cars lose their value the second they drive off the lot. A house is just gonna keep increasing in value. You said it best. It's the in- instant gratification people want. People right. don't like putting their lives and goals off two or three more years and having to wait for the market to grow so that they can cash out to get that next home. They want it now. Well, it's their pride too, right? You have a pride of ownership. You want to have a place that you're happy to invite That's your right. friends over, not just... And you want to be able oh, to put your house on social media and you want to, so. you want people to be envious, of, right? Like that's the mentality that people yeah. have now, unfortunately. That's yeah. a lot of the, what's driving people's motivation is... It's hard being to be able to show off. It's yeah. hard to work with buyers when their mindset isn't on them. It's on what other people think. Yeah. When you have buyers that buy on what other people think, it makes it very difficult for everybody because it's unrealistic. Yeah. It, we, we also have the old mentality that they get their advice from their parents. And when their parents bought their first house, you could go in 10 grand below list. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, can't do that anymore. Touche. That's that happens you all know, the time. You get the, that house isn't worth six hundred grand. Right. That was three hundred grand four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. It's probably going to sell for seven now. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, and we're trying to keep up just as much as the parents and the clients. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're just as sticker shocked every other day when we see new sale prices coming in. And this isn't a Windsor issue. It's this is a supply and demand issue, provincial can and in national. Um, Yep. I'm it's not everyone's like, well, you realtors are driving up the price. Sorry. No, it's the entire country is trying to buy houses with not a lot of houses and it's causing prices to go up. This isn't a one person issue issue in a one industry. It's not the bank's fault. It's not the realtor's fault. It's not the buyer's fault. Everybody is trying here to get their clients into homes. Banks are trying to get people financed for homes and the buyers are trying to get themselves into their first or second or third homes. Everybody's trying to move forward in life and there's just not a lot of options and it's causing prices to go up. So people can point the fingers where they want, but everybody's in the same problem. This isn't fun for anybody. That's right. I mean, the one positive is, you know, when you go to finance it, I'd say 99% of the time the appraisals are coming in. So the clients aren't left holding the bag. Yes, we can look at the area. The comps show that it's worth what you pay or for. Or I'm it. finding even if you know those appraisers are looking at the area, the appraisers in the area are aware of what's happening in this market right now too. So it's not even just about, you know, whether or not the comps are 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 perfect for that home. It's they're they're looking at the comps and then they're also saying, well, it's February, and there's nothing on the market right now, and this is the trend that we're seeing not just in comparable houses but in every house in the area, right? I think they're using that knowledge as well to kind of come to the conclusion that these houses are worth that. Yeah. Right. They they can't because if we're just relying on on comparable sales from September or October of last year, they're not comparable anymore. The prices have gone up so much that well, most lenders are now asking for nothing older than a ninety day comp. Right. 
So some right. even want just a 60 day, 60 comp, day, comp. right? So are you yeah. still seeing a lot of uh, your, are you lending to a lot of investors still? You still feel the, the vesting is as strong as it was the last two or three years. Um, it is, although the, uh, the cash flows and the cap rates aren't as fabulous as they were, right. say two, three years ago. And you ago. think over time that's going to slowly fizz the investors off a little bit? Well, probably not because they're, they're gaining there, in the equity two, too, right? Exactly. The See, appreciation. There's two things. There's cash flow. So as long as it's breaking even, they're getting the appreciation at 27%. You can't put your money in a, an investment or a stock and get right. that unless you hit a flyer. So they're rate. willing to take a negative guy. Like there's investors out there willing to take that negative cash flow of two or 300 or $400 a month. Been doing it for years in right. Toronto area. Knowing GTA, that, so. that two years down the road, their yeah. investment's gone up 20% year over year. And... Th that that negative cash flow means nothing as long as they've got the money to cover that it, it means nothing to them that investment's still making them a lot of money in the end right right